my buddy we go out for dinner with, our, our, our wives, and we hang out. And if we go out on Saturday night, he says, uh, well, the witching hour here is 10. It's uh, 6.30, time for you to head toward home. And he goes, but it doesn't really matter because all the sermons are the same. I go, well, what are you, what are you talking about? He says, you always, you always find a way to get us to Jesus. He said, that's the... That's the thing. And I was kind of crack up, like, okay, whatever. I said, but you tell that story 8,000 times in a row to the same hearers. And he goes, well, you know, I'm just giving you a bad time. But it's about Jesus, that the, the story, the sermon, everyone is about Jesus. And actually, as much as that is tongue in cheek, that's an incredibly high compliment. We are people of the good news, we're people of the gospel. Um, that we, we, people of, of of Jesus. And I want you to think about that this morning as we engage in somewhat of a, of, of a painful lesson. If, if, if you come to church and, and you get into worship and those songs kind of open up your heart like they open up mine and I watch Abby and call and sing and Christian lead and remember when I did their wedding and she was confirmed and he was in middle school, it, it just opens the heart in a pretty cool way. And I can deal with the stuff I got. And uh, as we get into that a little bit this morning, if, if, if that's you, my sense is it probably is, then, then we need to know that we're rooted and built on the gospel of Jesus Christ, the love of God for us. We are beloved of God. And we're going to get to that. We're working in Genesis a little bit, working to think about what's going on in Jacob's family. And there's three pieces of this text that I'd like to think about the, this morning and, and just have you track with me some. One is that resentment is toxic for us and our whoever we're holding resentment against or whatever. Resentment is toxic for us. Secondly, unresolved guilt doesn't just disappear. And thirdly, meanwhile. Mean, meanwhile, God was working on his big B plan. First piece, resentment is toxic for us. Whose family should we start with? Want to start with my family talking about toxic resentment? I've got some. I've got some of that in my heart. I bring that in as we all bring stuff in on Sunday mornings. We, it's just a part of it. Or maybe we should start with your family. We could pass the microphone around and you could say, now I have resentment for this and resentment for that. And I resent my brother because he was the favorite. I resent my sister because she never got spanked. You can take all that stuff and, and hold on to that. But resentment is toxic. And probably the best place to filter that through so that nobody has to be wheeled out of here this morning is through Jacob's family. The more we read about that, the more, more you realize how toxic the resentment is and how real the resentment is among Jacob's sons, Joseph's brothers. Matter of fact, it's so bad that when they see him coming down the road, they say, let's kill him. Well, why were they resentful? Well, first off, their, their mama was the number one, was, was number two. Joseph and Benjamin's mama was number one, Rachel. Rachel was beautiful, Rachel was connected, Rachel was the one that Jacob had to, had to work for, and so he had a special affinity for Rachel's boys, Benjamin and Joseph, played favorites. 
And the resentment is so bad. They want to kill them. It's not just that there's a mark on their house, heart and they say, you know what, it'll be okay. We, we get the money, we run the herds, we run the business, we're cool. No, 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 no. He went from Shechem to Dothan and, and this seething anger, right? This resentment towards their brother. So they have this nasty conversation fueled by the resentment that they have. Reuben, Judah, Issachar, all those boys. Let's kill them. Let's get rid of them. What would it hurt? We're farther away from home than we thought. If we just kill them here and we, bake the, we, we, we take that stupid robe that our daddy gave them and we dip it in blood, we will say he's dead, he got tore apart, and we're good. And then we're sick and rid of this little dreamer. Now, as if they didn't need another reason to be more resentful, Joseph can't keep his mouth shut. Now, I wonder, and we were talking after church out in the courtyard. I don't know, Pastor, how old do you think Joseph was? 16 or 17? He didn't have his prefrontal cortex grown into his brain. Know what I'm saying? Remember what you were when you were 16? I've never met a more brilliant person than me at 16. Right? So Joseph just doesn't get it. Joseph can't, he can't shut up. So he starts with those stories that we read through last week. There were 12 sheaves of grain. I just happened to have brothers, uh, 12, and, and they all bowed down to me. And the brothers are like, seriously? You got the coat. You got the love of the dad. You got all this stuff that I want. We got civilly rivalry coming out of our ears. And now you're going to tell us that we're going to serve you. You don't even go out into the field. You are a little nothing, and we're the big macho herdsmen. Well, I had another dream, he says to his brothers. There were 12 stars, and the sun, and the moon, and they all bowed down to me. And you can feel it in the text. Finally, it gets so bad, Jacob comes out to him, the dad, and says, you got to shut up. They hate you. Your brothers hate you. And they can't stand talking to you. As a matter of fact, they can't even stand seeing you because of the resentment that's burning in their hearts. Oh. Resentment. Struggle to speak about that. Because for me, resentment is my barometer. If and when I become resentful, I become toxic, I become angry, I have a short fuse, I close the door of my office, I don't want to do anything for anybody but me. Resentment is toxic. Usually when I get resentment and I feel that burning and it's in the bottom of my heart, I got I to gotta back off. I got to find a way to take the foot off the gas pedal of my life, reorient my thoughts and my thinking, and back off. What resentment is, is that thought that resentment is the thought that we have been treated unfairly. And that creates a sense of anger or indignation. In essence, it's the little piece that says, I didn't get what I thought I deserved. I thought I had more coming than what I'm getting back. People keep demanding more and more of me, and I'm not recognized. My boss keeps loading the work on, and I'm not compensated. And they hand out appreciation and awards and all that stuff and nothing for me. 
feeling that is behind that is resentment. Slow, painful burn. Carried to a horrible degree, it can manifest itself indeed as it did with Jacob's sons. And it's so toxic for our relationships. Because instead of looking at a relationship and saying, this is what I have to give, it's saying, what's in it for me first? And when I don't get what I want first, then that indignation of resentment that little fire burns. For Jacob again and his boys, the resentment was so bad that they put their brother in a well, took the robe off his back, dipped it in goat's blood, and showed it to their father, and then sold Joseph off to Midianites. Resentment is And the second piece of this is that unresolved guilt doesn't go away on its own. The resentment for the boys led to bad behavior, bad thinking, right? And then all of a sudden, Reuben steps up. And, and I love this part of the story because Reuben, Reuben said, okay, I'm going to get cheeseburgers and I'll come back and it'll all be good. He comes back and his brother Joseph's gone and he's like, what have you done? I could unwind this, I could back this up, I could go to my old man, I could go to our old man, I could fix everything until the cistern was empty. Now we got to cover what we've done. Now we got to make up a story, we all got to agree to this story, we all got to get it back, and ugh. So they decide that in their guilt, they're going to, again, take the robe, dip it in blood, take it to their dad. And then the guilt of that, holy smoke. Not only does Jacob, Jacob does not say, well, you know, no big deal. There's lions and stuff running around. This is just too bad. It's the price of doing business in Dothan. Rather, Jacob covers himself with sackcloth and ashes. And he mourns for days and days and days. And I can just feel the guilt piling up in the hearts of those brothers. The whole episode doesn't sit well with Reuben. It doesn't work for Reuben. Reuben has this guilt that, that, that's going to carry with him through the whole story until things reconcile and things come back together. We, we, we don't catch up again with Jacob's boys until Genesis 42 when the famine hits and the family hasn't really come back together. But Jacob now favoring instead of Joseph, he's favoring Joseph's brother Benjamin. And the brothers get old and as they get old they've got to begin to resolve this guilty peace. And they have to go back down to Egypt to get food. And they have this horrible weight of guilt on their hearts. And they can't resolve it. They can't fix it. They can't put it out of their minds. They can't drink it away. They can't reason it away. They can't feel it away. They can't handle the guilt on their own. So feelings of resentment led to bad behavior that led to guilt. The guilt of selling off their brother and hurting their father. It never left them. And it didn't erode as time went on. As a matter of fact, my sense with Reuben is it got worse because that's how guilt is. It's almost as if there's a demonic tour guide in your life saying, you know what, that thing with that deal a hundred years ago. 
Remember that 20 years ago? You sold your brother off, you threw him in a well, you thought that was good? They're going to find out. Jacob's going to find out. It's going to be bad. You get in trouble. For me, guilt is like a rock on my chest that I can't move. Anybody who was raised in a family that dealt with addiction or, or had a parent or a grandparent try to rein you in with guilt, you know exactly what I'm talking about with that, with that rock. If you're a father and your kids are or were resentful toward you because they feel like you never engaged in faith and family life, then you know exactly what I mean. If you ever took anything, hurt anyone, or committed even one sin that you regret, you know exactly what I mean about the rock on your chest and the ability to move it, to twist it off, to just be done with it. And then the tap on the shoulder that says, this thing you can't move is, has got to be moved. And you can't do it, so good, good luck with that. What we need is a solution to that. If resentment drives guilt, and guilt is a dead end, then we need a solution. And that needs to be a God-sized solution, not a Tim-sized solution. It's got to be a solution that works. Something that points us to something bigger than ourselves. Something that can come in from the outside of us and grab that rock and say, I got it. I got it. We're going to take this, we're going to take it off of you, and we're going to put it here. And then we're done with it. Oh. Oh. But that guilt doesn't just remove itself away. The, walk, the, rock, does not erode, the rock does not erode itself. It needs to be. Look at the last verse, if you will, if you have your, your piece out. Look at the last verse of the Genesis piece, verse 36. Just look at that. If you were going to take a piece of scripture and highlight that and take it out of your, uh, and, and take it and hold on to it for the week. I love this. And, and I've read this story 25 times. As a kid, I had a record. People remember what records are and cassettes are? We had those. We had the books and told the story and all that stuff. Google it. You can find out. Love this. Meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph to Egypt to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. Key word there, meanwhile. God was working. God didn't quit. God wasn't like, oh man, I'm glad they didn't kill Joseph. Now I still got a little margin to get something done. Oh, no, 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 no. Meanwhile, God was working. In that meantime, when you thought it was over, when you thought he was dead, when you thought God was going to be quiet, when you thought he wasn't going to do anything and you were just going to have to lump it, swallow hard and deal with all that guilt and resentment, God was working. Meanwhile, he's working in Jacob's sons. Joseph sold to the Midianites to a man named Potiphar who was an officer in Pharaoh's court in Egypt. God is working. What's he doing? Well, he's preserving the blood of the Messiah. He's saying, you all ain't got any food here in, in uh, Dothan and, and, and in Shechem, and they ain't got food here. And the famine that's coming, the hurt's coming down. So I'm going to take this key guy, who you all hate, and, 
And he's going to go down and work for Pharaoh. And you know what? There's going to be seven good years and seven bad years. And when you need food, when you need absolutely, the, and, and you're struggling the most, you're going to have what you need. Meanwhile, God was working. And he was working to make sure that the sons of Jacob, who would ultimately be the blood of the Messiah, had absolutely everything they needed so that the covenant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob would be fulfilled in the birth of a baby in Bethlehem named Jesus. There you go, Tim. It took you 20 minutes, <laughs> but we're back to Jesus. Yeah. We have to be back to Jesus. Because we're out of control on the resentment. We're out of control on the guilt. But meanwhile, while we're feeling those things and dealing with life in a family setting, God is working. As surely as put Joseph in a place to preserve the bloodline of Jesus, he works in your families and in your lives. One of the most powerful moments in our church every year is Good Friday and we turn the lights off and we take the candles out and we cover things up and it gets, and, and Carissa plays the organ, all those big pipes, and it's just crazy. And it's the first thing we do when we start that service is the choir's over there and they sing this minor tone thing and everyone's like, ah. Oh. We read Isaiah 53 and the choir leads for the men and, and I stand here and lead the the women and we read it back and forth stone quiet in the church why why is it so powerful because it's the story of the resentment being put on Jesus and the story of the guilt being put on the Messiah and it all being taken away this is Isaiah 53 beginning at verse 2. He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. Ready? He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with grief. Like one from whom people hid their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our resentment. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by God, and afflicted by God. But, but, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. God took that resentment that I feel and you feel, that you hold and I hold, that the brothers of Joseph held. And he put that on the suffering servant who would be the great, 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 great grandson of Jacob and he cut him off and in that Jesus took the rock of guilt because he was resented but not resentful 
he picked up that rock of guilt and he set it aside. And he said, I got this. You can't move this. You can't handle this. I got this. How powerful is that? That's everything. That's the ability to stand before God and say, I'm sinful and guilty, but you have taken that away. It's the power of the gospel, of the good news that allows us to, to, to let that resentment go, to let guilt be removed, to not be inspired or motivated by guilt, but to be inspired and motivated by the love of God for us in Jesus Christ. The seal of that guilt going on is the sacrifice of the suffering servant on the cross who was cut off from the land of the living, who was cut off from the love of his father, and who in his death has brought peace with God for you and me. Isaiah says, the punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are Oh, let go of the indignation and the anger that's driven by resentment and let the words of the gospel speak God's words of healing to you so that when you see your brother coming up the road and you're thinking, if I kill this guy, let it go. For God in Christ has taken that rock off your chest and laid it on his son. So you are set free in Jesus. God has laid it on him. That's the gospel. That's the good news. Meanwhile, meanwhile, where's God working? You know what? I, I, I don't know in your life, but I certainly know in mine. Meanwhile. Rest assured and take heart that God is working on his big P plan and that the punishment that brought us peace is on Jesus. I've been so sensitive this morning. Um, we're dealing with real stuff, right? We're not, we're not making this up and saying, whoa, here's each one of us. I just want to pray for us this morning. If I poked you a little hard this morning, I apologize. I'm sorry. Actually, I'm not. <laughs> this is going to help you see Jesus better. I want to pray. Let's pray. Lord, you are so good. You work not on chronology and Apple watches and all that stuff necessarily all the time. You work in the fullness of time. You see time in a whole different way than we do. And so we trust you in the meanwhile that gap where it seems like we're alone and wore out, tired, beat up and all of those things, yet you work and you operate. I pray for those here this morning who are just struggling in family systems. Lord, <laughs> Jacob's family, what a mess, Lord. And yet you brought the Messiah from not Reuben, but Judah. You brought our Savior Jesus to us through that family. For those, Lord, struggling with that sense of resentment this morning, work and speak those words of release and freedom into their hearts and souls. When the demonic tour guide comes and says, hey, had you ever think about? Speak right back words of grace. 
I left that at the cross. I left that at the cross. I left that at the cross. And God's grace and God's mercy, God's release, they are ours. Thank you this morning that in a few moments we get to celebrate the sacrament, that, that the body and blood of Christ becomes real for us. We're reminded of your death, Lord. We're not, it's not some far away, long ago fantasy land thing. It's here and now. You visit us here and now to remind us that you hold no resentment, that you will not incubate guilt, that you will not do anything that would damage our hearts, but you visit us with your love and your compassion. So lead us through Pastor Trevor's words and lead us in the lines and the movement, the bread and the wine, the body and blood. Lead us to see that resentment erode and fall away and grant us your perfect peace. This we pray in Jesus' name.